0: Hi, and welcome back to Agape Methodist Church Daily Devotional Podcast. Today we will look at the parable of the weeds and the wheat. Let's turn now to Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 to 30 and 36 to 43. Matthew chapter 13, verse 24 to 30 and 36 to 43. Let us pray. Father, speak your truths to us once again. Even as we journey through this this life, help us, Lord, to learn from each other and to learn especially at your feet. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, before I start reading the scripture, let me share a little bit of a conversation I had with a close friend yesterday and then uh, a WhatsApp message from one of Agape's leaders the day before. They have much bearing on my sharing and the devotions. Well, yesterday as I was having breakfast with a good friend, he shared with me that sometimes even when we share the same vision, the same heart for God, the love for God, we may never be able to work together simply because we see things very differently. All of us have, may have a common vision but our understanding of how to achieve that vision may be very different, and that's fine. We can still consider each one part of the family beloved brethren, brothers and sisters, and yet to know that we may have to serve differently and serve in different directions simply because our convictions are different and Then the day before one uh, one of the leaders of Agape messaged me and said, "Thank you very much for." the devotions it has helped. And then he reminded me that my devotions could be lightened to a part of an elephant. That what I saw and what I shared could have been the trunk, could have been the leg. What another person believed in could be the tail. We're all talking about the same elephant, but we see things differently. We see different aspects of God, different aspects of the righteousness, the holiness, and the compassion of Jesus. And I agree fully with these two, dear friends, because often our views, our understanding of God, our interpretation of Scripture, differ vastly from each other. We are held in common by one thing, our deep love for our Lord Jesus Christ and our knowledge that He loves us. But our understandings may be different, our techniques may be different, our perspectives of things may be different. And that's fine. And so while I do continue this daily devotion, I want you to know that it is perfectly legitimate for you to disagree with me. As you study the scriptures, you may say, hey, mainly, this is completely different from what I think. And that's fine. What is important is that we look closely at the word of God, honestly at the word of God and honestly at ourselves. And then we keep thinking, One of the purposes of these daily devotionals is that we engage our minds with the Word of God. As long as you are reading the Word of God and thinking and meditating through it, you may come up with very different conclusions and that's perfectly alright. Sometimes both of us are right, neither of us is wrong. And sometimes you may be right and I may be wrong. I may be right and you may be wrong. And It would be lovely if we could engage each other, debate it, reflect some more and then learn from each other. This is my prayer then that each of you engage your minds and your hearts with the Word of God, with your own lives, with your, your observations of life. And then we talk, bring them to the table, we talk together. Thank you for many of you who have written in with questions I may be slow in answering because, uh, well, it's hard to answer all of them all at once. Thank you also for disagreements when you point out certain things that you don't agree with and I'm really grateful for these. Um, Do keep them up because I look forward to being engaged with each of you and engaging each of you with the Word of God. Let's turn now to Matthew chapter 13 verses 24 to 30, 36 to 43. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. Servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them out? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, First, collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. Then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, The one who sowed the good weed seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The son of man will send out his angels, and they will weed out His kingdom of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has years, let them hear. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I love movies with good endings. Never mind that the start was terrible. Never mind that in the middle the good people suffer as long as at the end of the movie, the good people triumph and the bad people are vanquished. It's always that way for me. A good movie must have the good triumph and the evil ones vanquished. I think deep inside our hearts, innately built into us, is that sense that justice must prevail. That it would be a terrible thing when justice loses. And so occasionally there may be a producer or scriptwriter who's perverse enough to have the heroes, the good people, suffer and then suffer more and suffer more and die an ignominious life. And then the bad people, the horrible people, triumph from glory to glory and at the end they are glorified and they have full victory. Never mind how good the cinematography is, never mind how good the acting is, never mind all the acclaim. To me, that's a real lousy movie. Because when evil triumphs, then it goes against the very grain of what I believe in. And yet in real life, the latter is probably more true than the former. In real life, often, the bad will triumph over the good. And many of the good will die sad, painful lives suffering all through despite all the prayers and the goodness, or the evil ones continue to triumph. When we read the Bible, we see at the end that there is a good ending, but can you imagine what it is like, say, for the Israelites in captivity in Egypt? Sure, the ones who saw the promised land, that's great victory for them. Even for the generation that wandered, for 40 years in the wilderness, at least they saw what it meant to walk out of Egypt, what it was like when God knocked down the Egyptian armies with the with, with the parting of the Red Sea. At least they saw something. But imagine what the others in the 430 years went through. How many generations was that? With each generation suffering and wondering when salvation would come, their children saw their parents suffer and die, and they too died in suffering. All that 400 years between the last prophet and Jesus Christ, where the nation of, of Judah was captive to so many nations for 400 years. Imagine them waiting and waiting for salvation, each generation dying and not seeing salvation. Or think of the slaves in America or those in Europe where they were born slaves, they died slaves, and not only were they slaves, they were treated so badly and cruelly. Think of how they saw their masters, rich, Bible-believing Christians, who treated them so cruelly.
1: and wondering where
0: God is. Is God the one that I've tr- learned to trust? Is he the God of justice? Or are ah, the slave owners, the cruel slave owners, who go to church and who read the Bible and who throw the Bible at us, are they the good ones? And going through a time like that, it must have been extremely painful. And yet, deep in our hearts, we hold on to that belief that good must triumph over evil. And so often we are sadly disappointed. When someone cruel comes into our lives, We pray for vindication and we hold on and we believe and we tell ourselves we will believe that good will ultimately triumph and sometimes and very often we are bitterly disappointed. I think of those in cruel regimes now, how they must pray and plead with God and believe in their hearts that God would deliver them from the the clutches of the the evil rulers and how They live and they die without seeing salvation. It's a difficult question, and I'm sure that these people who were listening to Jesus felt that pain, and Jesus felt these people's pain too. For centuries, these people were under slavery by their enemies, cruelly under slavery. And each time they thought that God would deliver them, each time God failed to deliver them. It is a terrible feeling. The reality is that that continues to happen in our lives, in the lives of many who suffer under evil. And sometimes then we ask, where is God when evil people triumph and good people are vanquished? Jesus in this parable explains clearly what it is that there is a battle, that God sowed good seeds. Seeds of wheat. God gave people to the world that would do good, that would love each other, that would be compassionate. But the evil one sowed seeds that would destroy, that would hurt, and cause so much chaos and misery in the world. It is a battle. Good, the existence of good people and the existence of bad people is a battle. And God, Jesus then explains in this parable. Why God doesn't intervene yet? Why aren't the evil ones uprooted right away? And Jesus' answer is this that when we uproot when God uproots the evil, the bad, he will also damage the good. And therefore God has to wait. It is not that God is an indulgent God or indifferent God who doesn't care. It isn't that God is an impotent God who cannot help. But God has to wait to the end of time, and there will be judgment. There was this verse, um, verse thirteen thirty, where the master says to the laborers, Let them, uh, verse 29, I will not pull out the weeds, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. This is a truth. That tells us that often the evil is inextricably linked to the good. When God destroys the evil, when God uproots the evil, he hurts the good also. We see this in, in grown-ups and their children. <coughs> king Josiah was a very good king who became a king at age 8. Thankfully, when his father Amon was a very evil king, was killed. But that was one good exception. And yet, had Amon been killed earlier on, Josiah would not have been born. Sometimes a generation may have a generation of evil with a children that are good, and it is very complicated to uproot one without damaging the other. But the other reality is that none of us can really tell what is the good permanently and what is the evil permanently. Saul, the persecutor of the church, was evil man I'm sure many of the Christians would have prayed that God would kill this man. After all, if Paul died, there would be so much more peace for the Christians. But God did not kill Saul. Instead, God transformed Saul to be an apostle who would bring God's love to people. It's extremely difficult to say, to see and to know. There are people in our offices, the people who are rulers who may be evil, and yet we don't know whether they will continue to be evil or whether God can transform their lives. All we can do is cling on to God and hope. But here's one psalm that tells us exactly the same thing as Jesus in this parable. But this psalm goes longer. It explains to us what to do and what the psalmist himself did when he saw this unfairness. It's a rather long psalm, it's 28 verses, but I want to read the entire psalm. And I want you to let these words sink into your hearts and your minds. And after the devotion, read it again, because it is a very comforting psalm. It tells us a lot of truths about how we cope with situations like these. Psalm 73, a psalm of Asaph. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped; I had nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant, when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles, their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens, they are not plagued by human ills. Therefore pride is their necklace, they clothe themselves with violence. From the callous hearts come iniquity, their evil imaginations have no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. With arrogance they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how would God know? Does the Most High know anything? This is what the wicked are like, always free of care. They go on amassing wealth. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure. And I have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I have been afflicted and every morning brings new punishments. If I had spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply. Till I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. Surely you place them on slippery ground, you cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. They are like a dream when one awakes. When you arise, Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel and afterward you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you, and earth has nothing I desire besides you? My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish, you will destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me it is good to be near God, I have made the Sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is exactly how the poor and the righteous feel. That when we look at the rich, the wicked, the corrupt, the ones who keep amassing wealth at the expense of the poor. At one time, I thought that COVID-19 would be a leveler. After all, it doesn't recognize rich from poor, but I was so sadly mistaken. Because the rich have great privileges. Even those who do not observe health, uh, social distancing, those who scoff at the, what the experts say, those who are inconsiderate to others, who will not wear masks and then who will then spew the germs at others. Yet at the end of the day, they get the best treatment because they can afford it and the poor die. There is inequity, there is injustice in all of this. But at the end of the day, the rich seem to have it all, and the poor seem to lose everything. They seem to be punished again and again. They live righteous lives, and yet there's no money to get medical help because there's no money to buy good food, because they cannot protect themselves. They're often the victims of all circumstances. We pay a visit to the poor and we realize that poverty has so many other side effects. Most of the sick are poor. They're poor because they can't can't afford good food, nutritious food. They're sick because they don't live in great hygiene. They're sick because they can't afford to see a doctor until it's too late. And incidence of the sick among the poor is far, far higher than that among the rich. Incidence of misery too. We don't romanticise things. Sometimes we say that the poor enjoy themselves in simple things. That is partly true. And yet the lot of in life is far worse than that of the rich. How then do we cope with such injustice? In verse 17, the psalmist says, Verse 16, when I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply. Verse 17, till I entered the sanctuary of God, then I understood their final destiny. This psalmist understood what would happen to the evil ones, that at the end of the day there is judgment, that God does not leave turn a blind eye to the injustices of this world. And he found something else too. He found that He found that there was hope for him, for the poor, for the righteous who continue to suffer before the harvest takes place. In verse 23, he says, Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you, and earth has nothing I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart, my portion forever. What the psalmist is saying is that even though he goes through great injustices, tribulation, pain, suffering, despite all that he does, he is still a victim of the rich, of the powerful and of the evil ones. And yet, he finds the presence of God with him. He discovers that while he's going through his hardships, God is holding on to his hand. He realises that God gives him counsel and assures him that at the end of this life there is glory. He discovers what we talked about yesterday about the treasure and the pearl of great value, that he says, what have I in heaven but you and earth has nothing I desire beside you. Even in his suffering. In the injustices of life. He discovers a love that is greater than all loves a comfort that comforts despite the pain. He discovers that he has the abundance life. And it is like this, when we look at life and all its material forms, we realize that God that life is very unfair. We can't climb the social ladder as well as the privileged ones. Everything that we do we seem to be crushed by the corrupt by the powerful by those who keep amassing wealth and power and we grieve and not only do we grieve we resent and we hate but when we turn our eyes away from that and we hold god's hand then we discover a treasure far beyond a treasure that transcends all these things And as the song goes, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in His wonderful face, and the things on earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. This is the truth that we have. It is not an opiate, it is not something that kills pain. It is a reality. When we discover how privileged we are in God's presence, never mind what we lose in the material sense. When we discover the treasure that God gives us that we are never left alone by God, always loved by Him. When our hearts are filled with His love and joy, then we realise that we too, though losers in the world, are privileged in the Kingdom of God. Once again, this is not a crutch, it is not an opiate, it is a reality. Seek and seek after this treasure until you feel that same sense that that farmer, that laborer felt when he saw the treasure and he hid it trembling with joy and bought the field. Seek after the joy that this merchant, pearl merchant felt when he saw the ultimate pearl and he sold everything and he bought that pearl. This is what the kingdom of God is like in our lives we will should not rest until we find it. Do not settle for anything less. Yes, you may be, have been a Christian for 20 years. You may have had experiences with God, seen miracles and all that, and that's really wonderful. But see, keep seeking for that treasure, that joy in your heart, that love of God that never departs from you. When you have found that, You know that you are in no way less privileged, in no way given short short changed by God, but that you are deeply and well blessed by God. So together let us seek that reality. The kingdom of God that gives joy as treasure, hidden treasure, and the pearl of great value gives joy to those who have found it. Let us pray. Father, indeed turn our eyes upon Jesus. Because you have promised that those who ask will receive, those who seek will find, those who knock, to those who knock, the door will be opened. And Lord, we long for the infilling of your spirit. We long for that joy of your kingdom in us that you promise. Lord, you do not promise lightly, glibly, vainly. When you make promises, you keep these promises. And God is us who have settled for less. We have settled for little rewards here and there. And we have not sought for that treasure that gives us so much joy, that causes us to sell everything just to keep that joy. Where the things of this world grow strangely dim, When we see the light of Christ. Father, help each of us to pursue after this promise that those who seek will find, that we may know at the end of our lives we look to You and we will say how great You were, my God. You did not shortchange us. You gave us the very best. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'll see you again next tomorrow. or oh, Tomorrow's Friday, and I rem- remember this Saturday. I think I'll remind you again tomorrow. I'll confirm that.